0: in there. This morning in our message, uh, we're taking a little bit of a break from Acts. It's been kind of a weird week here in the valley, Uh, you know, it's kind of a weird day here with a lot of people gone, but uh, I felt like with the week that we have had here, that to go through the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and it being really probably the harshest message in the entire book of Acts, that it really didn't fit with what has happened here. If you're not familiar with what has happened here, um, uh, Jeb Brown, uh, the pastor of the river, lost his son in a car accident. He was 16 years old. Uh, Blevins died last Sunday after church. And uh, he's the uh, nephew of Missy and Austin who have been at our church for many years. Um, So, just so you know that really, if you, even if you don't know them or you don't remember them or were close to them, we have a card out there that I just want you to sign that we're going to send from our church to them in support of them. Uh, their funeral is tomorrow morning at 10 in Ordway. Uh, anyway, that's just one thing. And then at the, at the at Otero College this week, too, there was on Monday they found uh, one of the baseball players Young kid, couldn't be more than 20 years old. He was dead in his room, found by his roommate. They had a uh, candlelight vigil for him on Thursday. And I was there, so was Sherry. And then it turns out that there was another Otero student, a little older gentleman, but a father of three, a single father of three. Uh, He died as well. And there's just been a lot of things going on. We had that big, terrible traffic accident that happened uh, a week ago, Friday. we had the train derailment that tragically took the life of a semi-driver, just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. We see you know, suffering all around us. We see what's going on in, 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 in uh, the Gaza Strip there between Israel and Hamas. There's still the war raging between the Ukraine and Russia. Uh, we get all kinds of bad economic news all the time. Are we or are we not going to be going into recession? Uh, we hear stories about it, like we've talked about, you know, that the demise of the church, maybe the church in America. We look here today and we can feel that. You know, we're down a few, but we know where they're at, so it's just it's just tough. And those are just the headline things, and that doesn't even deal with some of the things that, that we know about that people are going through, you know, illnesses. Alex wrote me this morning that he's been sick for three days, and dealing with an illness, and there's just stuff going on. Sherry and I got some bad news this weekend from uh, one of her second cousin, actually, a 39-year-old young man whom I've met. I don't know him very well, but he's a, what I know of him, he's a great kid, very successful, and it's uh, Sherry's cousin Carla and Gary, their son Gary himself had dealt with a heart attack this last summer, and now his son has been diagnosed at 39 years old, father of two with inoperable stomach cancer. So it's just been it's just been one of those times, and the Lord just kind of told me that let's do something different. Let's let's delve into suffering. I know it's a fun subject, but but sometimes you know you just have to take the turn as the Holy Spirit would tell you to. And so we're gonna We're going to kind of deal with a little bit of a heavy message, I'm not going to lie to you. But um, hopefully this will bring to light about and answer, hopefully, the question of where is God when these things happen? Where is he? Pastor Tim Keller, who recently entered into heaven after his own long bout with pancreatic cancer, wrote this um, in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. He, He wrote these quotes. No matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put together a good life, no matter how hard we have worked to be healthy, wealthy, comfortable with friends and family, and successful with our career, something will inevitably ruin it. He says, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you, And is with you. And I think all of us would agree with that. He also says that suffering is central to the Christian message. Which we know that. We just look at Jesus and we can see that suffering is central to our message. So let's face it, you know. We just have to come to grips with the fact that life is hard. It is. I know as Christians we're supposed to rejoice and be happy. But life is hard. The Bible records many accounts of difficulties, wars, famines, illnesses, death. We looked at one in Acts 3, 1 through 26, in the account of the lame beggar who had had not been able to walk for his entire 40 plus years on earth. And then he was in the temple begging by the beautiful gate. Remember that story just a couple weeks ago? And we talked about this and the insight that Dennis gave me that because he was in the temple, Jesus had probably passed him many times without healing him. So where was God in that? He seemed to ignore him. Of course, we know from that story that Jesus knew that he was going to be healed. And it was going to be Peter and John who were going to be the instruments of that in Christ's name. Then we know that in the Bible, that the ultimate story of suffering always takes us to Job. A righteous man who, whose account in the Bible seems to say that he was a pawn in a cosmic chess match between God and Satan. Where was, where was the Lord in that with him? There are four points that I want to bring out this morning regarding suffering. And that the first one is that God gives suffering a purpose. And the second one is that God uses suffering as a building block for us. The third is God uses our suffering to restore us. And the fourth one is God understands our suffering because he himself suffered. Let's bow our heads in prayer and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I just praise you and thank you, Lord, for your word. I I thank you, God, that in your spirit you move us to do what you want us to do. And I pray, God, that this morning as you've moved me to give this message instead of one in Acts, I, I pray, God, that you would speak through it, that this would be your word to us that are here this morning, and for those who may listen later, um, I pray, God, that we would learn more about you and your love for us, that we would actually be encouraged in the heaviness of, of this message. Lord, I, I pray and thanks to you that we know that in our sufferings you are with us. And we just lift this up to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point is, is that God gives suffering a purpose. Scripture tells us this. We look at 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18. And I'm just going to tell you this is a little bit different type of sermon. Normally we take one passage and we go through that passage. In this case, it's more topical, so we'll be going through several different passages and pulling out what God is saying about this gear. Second Corinthians 4:17 and 18 says this: "For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." Paul tells us in this verse that that suffering is an affliction. And the definition of affliction is something that causes pain or suffering. And this reminds us, again, that suffering is hard. It's painful. I don't want to sugarcoat that. Sometimes we downplay how terrible suffering is. When we counsel somebody and tell them it's not that bad, look at so and so, look at and they compare with someone else's life and for more suffering. Let me let me just say that that is that is not a good way to talk to somebody about suffering by comparing their suffering that they're going through to someone who else is worse maybe because the suffering that that person is going through is very real to them. Very real. And it's something that For them right now at this moment, they don't need to compare themselves to anyone else because what they're going through is tough. It's tough enough. It's what God has given them for them to learn more about him. So we are not to make light of hardship. We are not to make light of suffering. We are to recognize suffering as what it is and not to shy away from suffering, which I know is not a popular message. We were talking about this earlier, but the first thing that we want to do when we start going through suffering or we see somebody go through suffering is we come to God and we say, please end the suffering. Instead of asking him, what are you trying to teach me about the suffering that I'm going through? There's a lesson for us to learn through the suffering that we go through. In verses 17 and 18, we see that suffering prepares us for our future glory in heaven. It forces us to not dwell on the current moment and the heaviness and the heartache that we're going through right now. It is to bring to our minds a focus on eternal things that last when we know our suffering is temporary. Sometimes it feels like our suffering is never going to end. Like, when is this ever going to end? But there is an end to it. And even if it takes the rest of our lives, there is an end to our suffering. And it is not even close to the glory that we're going to see when we get there. When we think of eternal things, like when our suffering ends, and we think about those eternal things, we think of things like the day that we get to see Jesus face to face. When we get to live the promise of 1 John chapter 3 that that we get to see Jesus as he really is. And before that, in that verse, that we will be made like him. That's the things that we are to focus on. Like our first steps in heaven. Have you ever thought about what it's going to be like that first moment you're in heaven, when your eyes close on this earth and they open in heaven for the very first time? What is that going to be like? What is the first thing that you're going to do? Those are the things when we suffer that we're to wonder about and ask God about and keep our minds focused on. A dear friend of mine told me the story many years ago. He was talking to a friend of his who was blind about who was blind and he was talking to him about Jesus. I should add a comma there. <laughs> anyway, who was blind and he was talking to him about Jesus in heaven. And his blind friend told him that he could not wait to get to heaven. He couldn't wait. My fr- like we all should not wait to get to heaven, right? I mean, that should be, I mean, we don't want to hurry it, but we can't wait to get there. And my friend asked him, well, why is that? He said, the blind friend told him, he said, so I can see you for the very first time. Because he had never seen his friend. But one day he knew he was going to be healed and he was going to be able to see. He was going to be able to see. That's the attitude that we're to have when we go through suffering. Not focus on this temporary nonsense that we're going through, which is not really nonsense. It's real. It's painful. It's hard. It stinks sometimes. It's hard. Suffering is hard. But we're to think about the Lord and what is out there that we cannot see. We look at our face, maybe it's disfigured, or um, who knows what we're going through. The diagnosis that the doctor gives us, our bank statement that doesn't have enough money in it to pay for the bills, and we know that have to go out. All of those things are hard. All of those things are hard, but we focus on what's next, who our Lord and Savior is. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. God gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us, to help us keep our focus on him. So the first thing that we see about suffering was that it has a purpose. (laughs) That sometimes, you know, that helps, but sometimes it still makes us wonder, where is God in all of this? It's great that he has a purpose for it. Thanks. Now what? Well, the second thing is that God uses our suffering as a building block. Romans 3, 5-5 says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us still helps us to ask the question, how can we rejoice in our suffering? How can we count it all joy, as James tells us? Joy or rejoicing doesn't mean that we're to be giddy or jumping up and down saying, oh, here comes the suffering. Please bring more suffering to me. It doesn't mean that at all. That would be silly. Who would do that? It means that as mature believers, we're to understand what suffering builds in us. The word for suffering in verse 3 can also mean tribulations. These tribulations, they teach us endurance. If we didn't have any hardship and pain, we wouldn't have any endurance in our faith. We wouldn't learn how to have faith for the long haul. And then we see that this endurance produces character. The character of who we are. How we learn to be calm in the storm. This reminds me of the show Band of Brothers. Some of you may have seen it if you haven't. It's an older show and it's a show about the depiction of Easy Company and the 506th Regiment and the 101st Airborne Division in World War II. They were fighting their way through Europe. They started out on D-Day. Great day to start. First battle of your life, D-Day, right? The invasion of France. Great. That was difficult. And after they had faced many Numerous battles and seen many of their friends die. Replacement troops were brought in in order to fill in the gaps for those who had been killed and injured. These replacements, they were not battle tested like the original troops. They were not ready for the, for the firing of, the, of real bullets whizzing past their heads and having to make decisions while under fire. They weren't ready for that. They dealt with times of panic and paralyzing fear. While the original members of Easy Company who had already endured this, had already lived through it, already understood that no matter what was whizzing past them, they had to focus on what was at hand. The decisions that we have to make now in order to keep us from making decisions we're going to regret later. They had to keep their heads about them. And the only way they were able to do that was because they'd already been through the battle. This is how we learn. Character is displayed by what we do when no one is looking at us. You see, in character, endurance and character, they build on each other. And our faith is like, like our bodies. We need exercise for endurance. The Lord uses difficulty in our lives to test our faith, to make it it become stronger, to develop endurance. I know these words are not making it easier to go through suffering, and I'm sorry, but I'm not here to make it easier to go through suffering. I'm just trying to explain to you why we go through it sometimes. And where is God when we do it? Paul writes in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Him, through Jesus, who strengthens me. He says, I can, I can do actually means I can endure. In other words, you and I really can't do anything on our own. But we can endure it through Christ who strengthens us. We can get through the difficulty. And of course we know Paul understood Suffering himself, he suffered many things because of his mission to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Beatings, imprisonment, famine, being cold. Paul knew what it meant to suffer because suffering develops character. his character to push us in our faith to trust God's promises when we feel we cannot take another step. We feel like we can't get out of bed. When our hearts feel like they have been taken out of our chest and just stomped on. Character in these moments produced by endurance in the suffering that we start with. They drive drive us to our knees to seek our Savior. To remember that He is right there with us. And He'll provide all we need to get through it we become Jesus tough the strength it took for him to endure the cross that's really the end of it to become tough like Jesus confident that we can make it through not because of us but because he will get us through And then from character, suffering produces hope. Hope knowing that our suffering that we're facing right now will end. Like I said, even if it takes us to the end of our lives, it will end. Our hope as Christians is in Christ alone. And the word hope means, this word means to have an expectation of good. To look for a joyful confidence in our expectation of our eternal salvation. That's what that word means. That's why they couldn't write all that in the Bible. If they did this with every word, the Bible would be never ending. But that's what this means, to have hope. is To have an expectation of good. An expectation of our eternal salvation. This is what we are to look for. This is the hope that we have. Our hope, our our justification that we have to stand before the Lord does not come from ourselves. We know this, right? We've learned this. We learned that in our study in Galatians. It comes from Christ's work on the cross. The faith that we have to believe doesn't come from us. We don't produce our faith. Our faith is a gift from God. He is the one who gives it to us to allow us to believe and what Christ has done so that we can stand justified with him and the hope that he gives us. The hope. This world needs hope. Look around you at the empty pews that we have this morning. There is room for people to come and hear about this hope. This is all about God's grace and his mercy. God's mercy to take our sins and punishment and place them on Jesus and the grace we need to receive the gift from Him. And this is why our hope, our joyful expectation can only come from Christ. We're sinners. Everything that we do is like a filthy rag, which again is a joyful thing to think about, right? But again, it's not that we we should focus on. We should focus on, because of that, we have Christ. We have Christ. And he endured the cross on our behalf. And as this verse tells us, in this, in this hope that God pours out his Holy Spirit into us. <clears throat> our Holy Spirit into us, into our hearts. Which when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not necessarily talking about the organs. What the, what the heart means in the Bible is your total being, your guts, your intestines, your bowels, if you will. Your entirety of your body. The Holy Spirit lives deep down inside your soul. Did you know that? We always say, ask Jesus into our hearts. We should probably tell people to ask him into our guts. It would be more real. It is our Father's love that He loves us eternally and wants to live in us. So our third point then is God uses our suffering to restore us. To restore us. 1 Peter 5.10 After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When our suffering ends, God, the God of all grace, who has called us to himself, he will personally restore you to perfection. He will take your imperfections away from you and make you perfect and whole. What it means is that he is going to do a repair on what is broken. The ultimate serviceman is going to come into your soul and he's going to fix you. Guaranteed. He's going to complete you in Christ Jesus. Everything that is broken through the suffering, through the hardship, through the pain, God is going to Repair you. Isn't that good news? We're all broken. We're all broken before Him. We don't like to think like this. We don't like to talk like this. In America, especially, we all like to stand on ourselves and say, I can do this on my own. You can't. You can't. You can't. I've tried, I've failed. And I'm sure all of you have tried and failed at some point in your life. The only one that we can stand on for strength and help is Christ and Christ alone. Only he is the one who can fix us. And he will make us strong. He will confirm us or establish us as his child. Our minds will be made firm in this truth. We will become steadfast in our faith and our position in Jesus and his kingdom. And we will not waver in our faith. And finally, we will be established or grounded in him, laying a proper foundation that, to be built on. A foundation that doesn't crack or sink or rise. It is formed and established, and it doesn't move, it is perfect. And we will share in Christ's glory, which is part of God's grace for us. Why would anyone not want to put their faith in Christ if all of this is available to them? Because suffering is not just for Christians. Suffering is what happens in the world because sin was brought into it. God didn't create suffering. Suffering came through sin. When Adam and Eve brought sin into the world in Genesis chapter 3. And God immediately made a path for salvation to fix it. Through Christ. The enmity that would be between Satan and the woman. Sin is, or suffering is not God's fault. But God uses our suffering to build us up. Suffering isn't easy. Paul calls it an affliction in 2 Corinthians 4. Suffering is hard, but it is necessary for us to grow in our knowledge and faith in Jesus, to stretch us. Suffering is not supposed to be easy. And sometimes, admittedly, it seems unfair. It seems unfair. But the question remains then, Where is God in our suffering and the tragedies that we face? Where is he? Our fourth and final point of the day is God understands our suffering because he himself suffered. It helps me when I'm suffering to remember that Jesus also suffered. He suffered on the cross carrying all of our sins, all of our shame, all of our pain on himself facing the wrath of his Father to take our punishment as the perfect Lamb of God. And he didn't deserve any of the pain and suffering that he went through. But he took it, even to his death on that cross. But we know that his Father raised him from the dead, restoring him back to life, and establishing his place on the throne at his right side reestablishing Christ as king. But we also know that the father suffered as well. Imagine, imagine watching his son, his innocent son, hang on that cross, bleeding in agony after nearly being flogged to death because he put him there. Because of his disobedient people, which is us. God understands suffering. He understands what we go through. So, where is he? He's understanding. Tim Keller wrote this in that same book about Jesus. He said, Jesus lost all his glory so that we could be clothed in it, he was shut out so we could get access, he was bound, nailed so that we could be free. He was cast out so we could approach. And Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you, and that is being cast away from God. He took that so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. Did you ever think that? That the only suffering in your life that you have now will only make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond. And the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into something gorgeous. Do you ever think that about suffering? That this pain, this agony, this horrible torture it feels like that I'm going through right now? And you look in the mirror and you go, Man, I look much better than I did before this started to happen. That seems silly, doesn't it? But in our suffering, we become great. A thing of beauty, more opulent than the hope diamond. More beautiful than the heart of the ocean in the movie Titanic. More precious than any masterpiece from Michelangelo. You are God's masterpiece. And beautiful. A perfectly tuned instrument of his love and grace. More valuable than a Stradivarius. And God holds you in his hand. And he marvels at your beauty. His eternal possession, his love pouring out in abundance for his child, ready to lavish you with your inheritance. God is always loving you. If you accept the gift of a son. Because we know that Jesus suffered for us. Hebrews two seventeen and 18 says this about Jesus. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself ha- has suffered when tempted... He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus, as we know and have talked about many times, is fully God and fully man. Never, not one without the other. In his humanity, he was made like us with a body that wears out and a mind that was tempted. He suffered mightily in ways that you and I will never suffer, even in the worst of times. It is hard to grasp But Jesus didn't even have to suffer. But his father, as we said, chose this path for his own glory to save us. And Jesus willingly, willingly obeyed his father's will. And now he is known as the suffering servant that we see in Isaiah 52 and 53. Jesus suffered just as we suffered. He was the final perfect sacrifice. The high priest who sat down Because the work was finished. No more sacrifice. No more priests having to burn animals or prepare sacrifices because Jesus was the final sacrifice. The high priest finally sat down. Tragedy hit Jesus too, it hit him. Remember John the Baptist, his cousin was beheaded, and his best friend Lazarus died. And of course we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but he cried over his friend's death. David writes in Psalm 34, 17-19, which Demena read earlier, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Jesus hears us when we cry. He is near to the broken heart, and he saves those whose spirits are crushed. He delivers us out of all our afflictions. When we are in the middle of the war for our souls, it can be hard for us to remember that when we feel the weight of everything in our chests and we feel like we're being crushed, like somebody put a semi on our chest and it just feels like this weight is never going to end and it is painful. We must remember Christ suffered for us and He is taking all of our afflictions upon Him. Our hope is that our afflictions are momentary when we put him in the light of eternity. Remember that lame beggar was not able to walk for over 40 years until he was healed. And Job, in the end, was restored. The promise for all of us as Christ's followers is we will all be healed and made whole again. We will be repaired and restored. And our faith will be made strong. We will be raised up and we will walk. Like the lame beggar, we will dance. We will leap in heaven. The weight that holds us down will be lifted. The pain that never ends will be removed. The tears that keep coming will stop. Sadness will be replaced with joy. Where is God during our suffering and our tragedies? He is sitting with us as a sympathetic Savior, who knows suffering because he's been there. And he knows that our suffering is temporary. God gives our suffering purpose. and God uses our suffering to build us. He uses our suffering to restore us. And finally, he knows what it's like to suffer himself. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit let's pray heavenly father we thank you lord for your word that when we go through difficult times in our lives lord we can go there and we can find answers lord sometimes we we don't know the answers to why things happen but we know that they have a reason and that should help us to endure whatever it is that we go through Lord, we know that you yourself suffered. You know what it's like. You watched your son die on the cross when he didn't have to, but he had to because that was your will. He did it, Lord, because you asked him to. You told him to because that was your way to bring righteousness into this world that had so failed you by bringing sin into it. You did not design the world to be full of suffering. We brought sin into this world. We brought suffering upon ourselves. I thank you, God, that you've given us a way out of that. That even though we go through it, we know it's temporary. And you save us through it, through your Son. I pray, Father, that if someone here this morning is going through a difficult time that we may not know about, that they're silently suffering, Lord, I pray that these words will comfort them. I pray, God, that they will see that there is an end, that we will one day be healed. That through this, Lord, we are being made into something gorgeous, something valuable as your children, something you hold in your hands and marvel at. Look at what I have done, you say. Each of us owe all that we have to you. We are not our idea. We are yours. Lord, we come to you with broken hearts, seeking you, asking you to forgive us and to restore us. We love you, Lord, and thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.